Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today once again, our old friend, the host of Mark McGrath's 120, heard weekends on the 90s online here on Sirius XM, as well as the lead singer of Sugar Ray, who earlier this year released the new album, Little Yachty. Hello, and welcome back once again, our dear friend, Mark McGrath. Brother Tully, how are you, my friend? Always a joy and a pleasure. Can I run something past you? Please do. Okay. So I'm constantly kind of trying to justify to myself why I listen to so much 80s pop yeah. shit stuff. Why? And Why do you justify that? There's no need to qualify. It's great. It's fantastic. It's it's good, right? Every decade had great pop music. I'm not... Do you watch Barry on HBO? I tried. Yeah. I wanted to love it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not smart enough. Okay. I think it's good. A lot of people... Somebody, Tony Thaxton, who okay. has been a guest on the show And I've heard recently. some social media connections to this guy. Yeah, yeah, This yeah, guy's yeah. the champ, right? He's the all-time trivia guy, right? No, he's not, man. You are so threatened by these by these other men in my life. <laughs> I see you cheating on him. <laughs> I see you out there. Um, he, I mentioned Barry, and he was like, hands down, my favorite show on TV right now, and I think many people feel that way. I've, I'm up to date. I've watched all of it. I think it's very good. I love him. Hater. Love him. Bill Hader's great. It's uh, not funny. Right? Stephen Root is in. It's got its funny moments, but it's dark. It's dark. Of course, it's dark. It's about a hitman. Stephen Root is always good in everything. Henry he, Winkler is good in everything. So there's this running setup to be good line through. It sometimes it's just that simple. It's like if you want to have a good restaurant, just start by buying good ingredients right. and not burning anything. Right. Have good food. And how bad is it going <laughs> right. to be? And then you can start gilding the lily from there. Exactly. But there's this running through line because Barry is a hitman on the show where he is wondering, am I a bad person or am I a person who does bad things for a living but it doesn't fundamentally like reflect who I am at my core? That's mm-hmm. kind of one of the themes of the show. So I bring that up because that's kind of how I feel about listening to, to <laughs> 80s music. Where I constantly go back and forth between, am I so immersed in nostalgia that I have convinced myself that this stuff has more value than it does when it's just a fluke of this is what was popular when you were five years old and that's all there is to it. But I started, but I and then I, but then I listen to it. And I'm like, no, it's, it's fucking good. It's just fuck. Of course, there's some cheesy crap and there are tons yeah. of it. Nobody's debating that. But here's what I started to think. I, so I talked to Tony Thaxton about some classic uh cartoons and we were listening to cartoon theme songs and we can listen to those and objectively say man i thought that was cool when i was a kid what a piece of garbage (laughs) and have you gone back and actually watched gi joe right i thought that was cool what a piece of garbage there are bands whose music i enjoyed in the 80s that i still enjoy now that i thought were really cool and i go back and look at the music videos and i go what a bunch of clowns these (laughs) guys were (laughs) and I force my child to watch 80s movies and Indiana Jones is still amazing. Yeah. But there's other ones where I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. I thought I remember this being a lot better than it was. Transformers movie doesn't really hold up, turns mm-hmm. out. And then I go back to the music and I say, well, oh, this is actually this is actually very good. How could it be 
that I would look at that one discrete part of 80s culture through such intense rose-colored glasses while maintaining simultaneously the ability to be so realistic about all the other elements of the 80s and how poorly so many of them have aged. And on top of that, let me add, because um, I know you already agree with me, but I'm going to keep arguing my point. No, please do. My kid watched Angry Birds 2, mm-hmm. and he comes away, and he's like, oh, there was this song in the movie I really want to hear. Can you put it on? Can you find it? And I said, can you describe it? No, I have no idea. It's just an Angry Birds 2. And I go through, and there's all these, you name it, huge country pop star today. No, that's not it. Huge hip hop star today. No, that's not it. Like Katy Perry or something. No, that's not it. And then we get to Total Eclipse of the Heart. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's Spine Tyler. I need a hero. And then we listen to it three times in a row. Did I tell my child that song was released in 1981 and essentially is a rejected meatloaf song? (laughs) I did not. Of course not. And now how much more do you love the song too? Yeah, it's well. That's a difference. That is that's pure nostalgia. I, at this point, I literally love. Like I, I, I had the the horrible realization that there's songs on YouTube that I will listen to 20 years from now strictly because of the way that my one year old daughter is currently connecting with them. That's Me different. Me too. Yeah. No, I'm willing to concede that. Okay, there is actually this one version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that's really fucking adorable, but it creeps me out a little bit. It's one of the biggest, it's like a billion hit thing on YouTube, and it's animated, and there's this little girl. She sounds like Croatian or something. I know what that you is. You know what it is, right? And, and it the, the it's animated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's like an owl. Yeah, yeah, and there's an owl, and there's like stars falling. Yeah, right? and it's she, really, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And she can't do the, the tease, so right. it's it's Dwinkle Dwinkle. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. Little star. Yeah, but that's what makes it so adorable. Yeah, and I, uh, there's another <laughs> she does snowflake, snowflake, little snowflake. Yeah, little snowflake, snowflake. Have you snowflake. noticed uh, that they had to dub in the flake? No. If you listen to it really closely, it's snowflake, snowflake. <laughs> Like watching Goodfellas on TNT. <laughs> <laughs> she must have had a problem with it, and and I've really Googled who is this child. Yeah, what is that? Because they're very they're very hauntingly beautiful versions of this. You got to listen to about thirty thousand times before oh, it really sinks in. Plus, when you're listening with your child, there's a it, there's a lot going there's, on there. There's a lot of. I can't find out who she it's is. It's probably a grown ass woman. You think? Yeah, that's oh. probably a voice actor, voiceover actor. Okay, because I find it sort of disturbing that there's this organization, it's called Super Simple Songs or something uh-huh. like that, and I looked them up, and they're like, we're in the Bay Area, and we think that entertainment for kids doesn't have to be blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. Who's the fucking five-year-old Croatian? Who's, the Who's Twinkle Twinkle, and where is she now? <laughs> where is she? What basement is she in? <laughs> right. Is Twinkle, is Twinkle Twinkle getting a penny from any of I this? Mean, like it's... you said, I, that, I, I've watched that a zillion times when yeah. my kids were growing up. So uh-huh. I, there's that's a money-making uh, enterprise for sure. Oh my god! Who's making yeah. that dough, dude? Right. Who is just just tell me she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that might even be computer generated, dude. You know, we live in this weird, bizarre world where, you know, I but, would read an article about the making of Twinkle Twinkle because that's actually very fascinating. Get to the bottom of that. I try. I was googling. I mean, it. I, I was mean, googling it last weekend while we were driving around. And when you Google who's the little girl who sings Twinkle Twinkle, you get a lot of YouTube oh videos of little girls singing Twinkle You'd Twinkle. Probably go in a real, real rabbit hole there. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to the decades, dude. Every decade has something what you describe for the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bit of cheese. Oh, this is better than I thought it was. This isn't as good as I thought it was. The eighties is special to you because that's when you're, those are your formative years, dude. That right. was you growing up. Mm-hmm. So you have an extra vested emotional attachment to a lot of things. Yeah. Because when you're young, the years seem so much longer, don't they? Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Oh my god! Of course, yeah. In my age of fifty-one, a year goes by like like in in, in two weeks. Yeah. You know, but when when I was in high school, my four years in high school seemed like fifteen years to me now. It's like an era of your it's life. It's an era, right? and yeah. it's something that you really you know you're defining your personality, what you like, what you don't like, and that's why these songs they mean so much to you. Whether you look back them or uh, you look back them uh, look back at them nostalgically or not, they will always be a part of you. But every decade has that effect yeah. on its people. Right. You know, people tell me the '90s how great they were, and I go, I, I was there. They were, they were, they were cool. They weren't. It wasn't the greatest thing ever. No one was sitting there going, "Oh my God, we're so glad we're living in the '90s. It's the greatest decade ever." That would have been the least '90s thing to say. Well, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It was so reality bites and all that. We, you know, you know are you being sarcastic? I don't even know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I am. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it, it was the end of an era. It was the end of the decades. That's for sure. Because mm-hmm. we don't even know what to call the aughts. Or the 2001s. There's, it doesn't have a name. No. Like, it's the the 90s were the end of the decades. It was the end of the recording industry. It was the end of the decades being named. This too. one's the teens. I think we nobody calls them that. Are we calling it the teens? I don't hear it called the teens. Do you? No, I mean, right. what, what's, they, I've heard the, uh, I've heard uh, 2000, 2010 called the aughts or something. I, I don't, how do you describe decades you can't even name? Yeah, I'm not on board with the aughts. They're the fucking O's. It's right. not that hard. It was 01, 02, it 03. Should be the How about we use a word that we all actually use, use with the names? Yeah. But, instead of but, aughts. But have you ever heard, remember the O's decade? You never hear that. So right. it's very strange how the decades ended. I, I with love the, 90s. the O's. <laughs> I love the O's tour. And how funny, saying that, no one would know what you're talking about. No. That's the crazy That's part. Right. So, like, we, we, the 90s, 80s, those were the last decades to be clearly defined. There's a demarcation uh, period where they ended and started with all of those decades. But the 90s just kind of went into the aughts and just kind of never ended. And the music industry stopped. They stopped producing superstars. And everything went to the digital sphere. So we just live in one. No, we don't even live in a decade anymore. We live no. in a digital world. It's a nether world. It's a nether it's world. It's a nether region. It's another region of uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And yes. who's this creation chick? So let's find safety in the past and take... <laughs> A look. You're sick, wait. You're so good. <laughs> that is so smart. I want to oh. talk about today a a bunch of bands that are very, very well known and obviously associated with a signature sound or style or genre, but who started off with a significantly different sound. Okay. All right? So kind We've of been like accused a, of that. Oh, really? Yes, we have. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> First, I'm hearing of that. Oh Mark. yeah! <laughs> I don't know that I've seen the Mean Machine video in its entirety. We shot the Comedy Store. We shot at the Comedy oh Store. Oh my god! Yeah. I've been look, on that stage. I didn't even recognize the it. Comedy Store stage, dude. The entire video. They have not changed it. No, they have not. So we would get all the time. Why'd you guys sell out, dude? Yeah. Why'd you guys sell out so much? And here, here's yeah. the thing about us back then. And our, that was uh, obviously Sugar Ray <laughs> off the first record, Lemonade and Brownies. We got signed to Atlantic Records, and we had two original songs. I'm not kidding you. This Is, is that one of them? That that wasn't one of them. No, we ended up writing that in the writing process. Um, that was one of our better efforts, if you will. Uh, and I know it sounds unfathomable today to get a record deal. But back then you could lie, you could mm-hmm. hide. Mm-hmm. There was no social media, and so we made a video and we got signed. And we told the label Atlantic Records, "We've got a hundred songs, we're ready to go. We're part of the San Diego scene with Rocket from the Crypt and Drive Like Jehu. We're all kind of part of that because we played a couple like top forty clubs down there. We jumped on that scene, and we, we just kind of lied our way into a record deal. Now, careful what you ask for. We got to make a record. 
Yep. And so we were like kids in a candy store. We uh, we went out and hired DJ Lethal from House of Pain uh, to produce the record because we love Jump Around. Then we figured out DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill produced the song Jump Around for House of Pain. So he was producing his first band for the first time, he being DJ Lethal, who ended up being Lethal from Limp Bizkit. And we were writing our first record. So we were all learning together. We're like kids in a candy store. And if you listen to that first record, there's some of the slowest, most mellow R&B songs we've ever written that are on that record. And then there's some of the harder stuff that we released as singles and kind of rode that pre-rap rock train. You know, we were touring with bands like the Deftones, Korn, and stuff like that. And by... Being a professional band, being on the road every day, touring, playing music, we got better at our instruments. We're like, what does a D7 do? You know, what, what is it? We always loved the Beatles, always loved the Beach Boys. We just, you know, we couldn't sing, we couldn't play. And so we got better, and by doing that, it, it led us to a song like Fly. Right. And that's where we kind of went. But if you listen to that first record, there are there's, there's a variety of stuff. We love the Beastie Boys. So we loved, you know, we'd mess around with loops. DJ Lethal would give us a loop, and we'd go, what do we do with this? And so Rodney and I would just do like falsetto. Rodney, your guitar player, would do like falsetto melodies over. We didn't know what we were doing it. So half of that record is experimental. The other half is kind of this punky, sloshy, you know, uh, moshy, thrash stuff. How much time did you put into the songwriting, strictly speaking, between like when you got signed and when you were in the studio actually? took a long time because we had to learn how to write songs. None, oh, okay. of, us, none of us knew how to write songs. So yeah. they didn't just give you three months and... Oh, no, no. Atlantic Records was very fair to us. It Once was... you signed, you told them that you had lied? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, they figured it out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. They were coming to the studio. Well, 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 just let you wait a couple of weeks. We got signed in New York and we lived out here. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, the people out in L.A. didn't know who we were. We, we knew how to keep them, at, you know, we, we kept them at bay and stuff. And so we had a whole year we had to learn how to write music and how to figure it out and how to write with DJ <laughs> Lethal. Because we thought he'd come in and give us jump around. We'd be like, great, thanks. Didn't work that way. You know, he was, uh, he, he, he's a great beat maker, but he's not a melody songwriter. Yeah. You know, so we had to figure out what it all meant, where do we fit in, and what are we doing? So if you listen to that first record, it's, it's all over the place. There's like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm screaming, I'm singing, I, I'm talking, I'm rap rocking before rap rock was even happening, um, which was very interesting when we got to Fly. I sat down with David Kahn, who produced Fly and uh, our second record, Floor. And I think I've told you this before, but he said, I've got some good news and some bad news. And I'm about to record Fly. It's our only song that has a shot on the second record, which is our last chance. Of course. It's amazing you even got a second record. By, absolutely. Uh, and Howard Stern had a lot to do with that, by the way. Um, and so I'm sitting there about to sing Fly. I'm nervous as hell. And he goes, David Kahn comes over the loudspeaker uh, from the control room and goes, Mark, uh, I got some good news and some bad news. And being the Irishman I am, I go, give me the bad news first. He goes, you can't sing. Like that deadpan. I'm about to sing Fly, the only song that has a chance of even getting any, the only song we felt that had a chance. And I go, oh, David, forgive me for being an, you know, insane, but what could possibly be the good news right now? He goes, if you stay in your lane, I, you have a certain tone. And it's your speaking voice. I think we can sell two million records off this song alone. I said, I'm at your mercy. Let me know what you want me to do. And that's when Pro Tools was starting to come around. Mm-hmm. So I just, we, we, Frankenstein the verses together and he gave me my voice he goes this is your voice all around that's where you want to be right there and that was it Fly ended up selling 2 million copies off that record and if you want to do another follow up show the follow up to Fly is really interesting because it you know it didn't get played on half the stations it was on oh that's right I never yeah. thought about that yeah the follow up singles were RPM. all from the next album yeah. okay yep. alright so I'm going to try to do these in rough there's the long long garrulous uh, verbose answer to that first one, but uh, you hit me, you hit me with the meme machine early. It's funny you said that. That was good. So uh, yeah, there's a number of acts who 
dabbled, some with more success than others. I can't say that all of them um, toiled in obscurity with their earlier sounds. Some of them were successful, but but not nearly as successful as they were to become. This was definitely not successful, and I will be surprised and impressed if you can identify the lead singer and namesake of this act right here. Remembering all your young dreams The way you ran behind me Your plans to marry me someday The love you gave so blindly Don't worry, Whiskey in the Jar is public domain. Like sister, and three or four years younger. Boy, it sounds like everybody. Yes, you that's know, true. It was a the kerning style. A Ricky Nelson. Man, type. you can just da 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 ba waiting for my daddy-o. I mean, like yeah, I say, I, whiskey in the jar is public domain. Yeah. So I think Ronnie James Dio was legally in the clear. You've got to be kidding me. Ronnie Dio and the Prophets, one uh, of a number of acts of that ilk that can he you was play involved. that again? That's Ronnie James Dio. This is Ronnie James Dio singing, correct? I am led to believe. In a million years, Tully, in a million. Oh, my God, there he is, dressed yeah. up like, uh, you know, a member of uh, Freddy and the Dreamers or Herman's Hermits. Why don't I know this? I'm, God, you're shaming me on these shows. Ronald Padavona. That's her, there's this yearbook photo. Somebody's made a really fun little uh, collage knew? of photos to that. Yeah, but that man had the metal voice. That, to, oh my god! I mean, he sounds like every you know every act of that time. Yep, that could have been anybody. And guess what? It was. It was Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. And this next one here <laughs> could have been just about anybody because there was a period of time where there was a lot of money to be made, sounding pretty much exactly like the Beatles. To my ears. Measuring up to the Beatles, at least with this one song. I think you'll know this. In the event of something happening oh, yeah. to me. Bee Gees. Bee Gees. There is something I would like you You could still hear the harmonies, even, even though they went, you know, it's way... It's just a photograph of someone that I knew. Have you seen Listen to that guitar. Beautiful song. It's a really good song. He couldn't write a bad song if he had to. No, I've listened to this album. It all sounds like the Beatles. Does it? But it's they're good Beatles songs. Listen to the backing vocals. I, I mean, just the, the layers those Gibb brothers had. Man, they were just. They, listen to Robin. Maybe someone is digging underground. That's beautiful, man. It's great. Really, that's just such talent. How Beatles is that when they go in unison? New York Mining Disaster 1941. I think that was like a successful song at the time, right? That's some of their greatest hits. Yeah. And it is. uh, It is a great hit. Yeah, that whole album is is pretty fun. They had more than one album that was... I believe before that even, Mm -hmm. there's some BG stuff that's like Buddy Holly-esque. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean that was a hit. Yes, that was, that was a hit song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, what a I mean, incredible band. I mean, I, all the songs that man wrote for other people as well. I know. I've always kind of wanted to sit down and really figure it out because he's one of those people. Jay Z had a run like this. Uh, Prince obviously had a run like this, where there's just a moment in time where their cup runneth over. They had 
more than enough to fuel themselves for superstardom while simultaneously duetting on this person's song while yeah. handing this song off to someone else. Yeah, the there's and you can tell when you hear something that was written by the Gibbs in the late seventies. My my, my personal favorite of that ilk, and he does a backup vocal on it. Is uh, Diane War? Did we talk about? Uh, uh, Di- yeah, Heart- Heartbreaker by Diane Warwick. It's just it's a flat out beachy song. Such a beautiful song. It's incredible. Man. Boy, that is right shooting arrow into my heart. That gives you the feels all day long. Yeah. Rick James had a moment for a second. Yes, that's exactly right. He, he sure did. You know, remember that? And then he, he gave did Eddie Murphy a song. Give me yeah. a free, number one song. Party yeah. all the time. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it was a quick moment, fleeting moment. But yeah. the crack pipe will do that too. I'll, yeah. That'll tend to take your moments away from you. Yeah, but he he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't miss for a while. No, you know? no. R. Kelly was in that. And, R. Kelly. And we'll never. Jimmy even... Jam and Terry Lewis had had a great yeah, great right. great run like that. I want to do. They would be a good one to put on this list. I want to do an episode with you that's just people who are behind the scenes people who, that are stars who had runs that you don't realize. And if I play you this song and this song and this song, even if they're by three different artists, you go, oh my god, yeah, that's obviously all the same thing. I know I made reference recently to the people who did the Rick. Astley stuff did the one big Donna Summer song. Yeah, yeah. Um, this time I know it's for real. Yes, which yes. is it's, it's a Rick Astley this song. Time. Yeah. A great then, song. She should she should go back and oh she passed away didn't she? I she should have gone back yeah. and I, assuming if I'm not wrong about that I hope I'm wrong about that. We've and killed done, a lot of people <laughs> and done the Rick Astley songs because she right. was better at the Rick Astley oh, absolutely. songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Her her upbeat stuff is way better and and just like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did Human by uh, Human League. You you mentioned that last yeah. time and that still which, blows my mind. Which it's, is such a great. I mean they they were just that they, that mid eighties synth pop thing that was their lane yeah they and then then they then they just in the 90s they did a lot of janet jackson they, they did a lot of big stuff in the 90s too yeah i've been spending a little time with janet jackson's back catalog she's definitely an, an album artist without I mean, a doubt. like six singles per with, without album a doubt. so it's not too not too surprising it's funny because a lot of people rock people guitar people that's the exact point where the 80s loses them. I had one guy explain to me it was it was Howard Jones. Whatever Howard Jones was using is that's the sound that he was just like I'm out. I can't do any music that's using whatever if it was a an effect or a particular kind of keyboard. And, right. And you're rolling. going you're going oh they're just doing this amazing lush keyboard stuff and I'm like <laughs> fuck yeah dude. Have you heard the one they did with Donna Summer like I mean, <laughs> That's so funny, dude. You will never, ever in a million years, unless for some crazy I'm still reason. blown away at the deal thing. I, I just- I know. I cannot believe, because I can't even hear the tone that he would become. I know. Well, sometimes you can hear guys do older stuff, and you'll go like, oh, but I, I, the tone is there. Yeah. Like, I should have known. I could have sat here. I, I would never even gone down that lane, ever, in a million years. I didn't know he was in a doo-wop band. No. He sounded like Ricky Nelson. It, but it was a very vanilla thing. Everybody was aspiring to make that same That was sound. the thing. It's, it's funny when the things happen, too, because like- Anybody can sing like that if you can sing a little bit in the same way that anybody can do a passable Eddie Vedder type thing. Correct. And it kind of just matters when you come along. If You're Ronnie right. James Dio is 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 uh, is 5 years older then he might be stuck in that sound for his whole entire life, but obviously it didn't work on and he uh, changed with the times and he becomes You're one exactly of, right. one of the prototypical metal guys. Well, if he's like 10 years younger, he might have been that, you know, with the exact Herman's same Hermes. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's entirely possible. I make it sing. This rock icon, later associated with a legendary band, played the drums. And apparently was fairly good at playing drums, although he's known as a vocalist in the Prime Movers Blues Band. Baby, 
this is him playing drums. Yeah, so I mean, you can't guess, but I had no and idea. And became what a singer. Yeah. Well, a vocalist. This is old. It's called Rock Me Baby. So many people play drums. I know. Wasn't it, it's not Prince? It wasn't. No, way before that. This is the '60s. This person rose to infamy, if not fame, as a lead vocalist, beginning in like '68. So it's before that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have no idea. Did you know that Iggy Pop played the drums? Oh, I did know that. He played in the. He played in the Prime Movers Blues Band. He was in the Iguanas before that. What's the Iguanas? Iggy Pop, get it? His name, the Iguanas was the name of the band. And he oh. played drums in the Iguanas. I did not know that. And I didn't know he was in a blues band. Like a straight up. Iggy like, Pop was in a band called the Iguanas. That's how he got his name, Iggy. And he played drums in that band. Now, I, Iggy Pop was the first guy oh, that came to... jumping with the Iguanas. That's uh, surf rock. Yeah, I was the first... That was my first guess. I'm not even kidding you. I believe you. If you know that, then why would I doubt you? That's him playing drums. Oh, they had one of those songs too, huh? Bam, bam. Everybody gonna come along. I yeah. want candy. <laughs> you don't even need to hear it. Adam Ant's like, me too, me too. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so. Cool. Yeah, I was gonna guess Iggy Pop, dude, but wow. I, I didn't know he played blues. What was the name of the Iggy Pop's blues band again? Uh, Prime Movers Blues Band. Prime Movers Blues. That was pretty authentic blues coming out of. Uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, back there. Yeah, I don't think they were kidding. I don't think they were just and he was spotting eighteen. He had to be seventeen. Well, I don't know because if he was in the iguanas before that, so iguanas. Well, I, don't know, I don't know what was first. I have no idea. Iguanas. It said there were sixty four. Yeah, I think the Iggy and the Stooges albums are sixty eight and sixty nine. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah or if they're, not, they're sixty nine. I 70. think they're sixty nine and seventy. Okay, yeah. nineteen sixty nine. Okay, he wrote that song, so that was fair enough. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> But wait, so are we saying the iguanas were after the blues plant? Okay, listen to this, and I'll try to figure that out. You might very well know this, I'm sure, in certain corners. Damn, I was going to guess Iggy Pop, man. I would have saved the day for me. In certain corners of uh, of music fandom, this is a, a no-brainer. I, I've never heard this song before. Liam Gallagher voice. You're right. On the wall, hung a oh, I think I'm going to get it, but I, it sounds like everybody. You're right. I never would have pulled the Oasis thing out of it, but of course it's all there. The Liam Gallagher. So first of all, Iggy Pop was in the Iguanas then in the Prime Movers Blues Band. At the same time? No, 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 no. Iguanas, then the Prime Movers. Oh, Prime Movers were after. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I'm led to believe, what we're listening to right now, Arnold Lane, the first single from Pink Floyd. Now, you're going to hate me, and the listener's going to hate me. Never, ever got into Pink Floyd. No, I think you and I are really on the same page when it comes to music. Don't get it. Don't go deep in the catalog. You have to love the five songs from The Wall. I I truly don't. I don't like the movie. I don't no, sync it up with Wizard weird. of Oz and go crazy. I, I just, I, I think 
I, I can't. I don't really like a song by Pink Floyd. Wow. And now, now I, I'm sorry. That's fine. I'm not trying not to like Pink Floyd. I'm not here to judge. No, no, but I think people I'm in no just, position. I was people... just espousing the virtues of Donna Summer for the second week in a row. So. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I love music, but I just Pink Floyd just never spoke to me. Hmm. It never I'm not like a real guitar aficionado. Look at the tone. Listen to Gilmore's tone. On the, that doesn't really speak to me. I remember being really bummed when Pink Floyd videos would come on in the 80s. You know, when they kind of did those like... You know that th- there were just like lighting effects, and the guys have like leather jackets, and they were not, not very charismatic. Oh, and, and what's his face was already gone. The Roger uh, Roger Waters was gone, right? And it was yeah. just David Gilmour. They, yeah. they had the sound, but not the tunes. Yeah, and it was kind of like it was yeah. like it was like a mid thirty five dad rock. To it definitely. Me. Oh my god, it yeah. most definitely was. And, and so I never got I never got that image out of my head, and I just never. I, I don't know. I just, I just, Pink Floyd never spoke to me, so I would never gone that deep in a rabbit hole with Pink. Yeah, Floyd. Yeah, that song was written, I believe, by Sid Barrett, the legendary. Yeah, Sid so Barrett. Of course, that's a, yeah. that's a whole. Different, I think Pink Floyd actually, I would argue, had at least two incarnations before the yeah, stuff that we associate them with. Because I used to live with these guys who thought the best thing to do on a Saturday night was to smoke weed and watch Pink Floyd live at Pompeii. Lots of people feel that from way. the ruins. Yeah, well, and lots man, of people, it's yeah. just like, oh man, this guitar solo is so good. Why don't you do six more minutes of it? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, but so was Sid Barrett, Roger Waters, and David Gilmour ever in a band all at the same time? I don't know. Curious, because that's some. That's a trifecta of talent right there. Let me get on some more music and I will uh I'll Forgive me for that. asking no, questions. No, no, I... no. And I, I know listeners are going, God, you're an idiot. You're the guy I thought in Sugar Ray. But I just, Pink Floyd just never spoke to me, dude. I just, Do you know what? If you- if you ever some... bought a Pink Floyd record? Probably. So you don't know? Well, I, people I taped them from for sure. My band, I know, would occasionally cover, what's the first song? In the Flesh. Okay, so so- Pink Floyd has been part of your DNA. I had friends who went, who got way more into acid than me, right. who got way more into Pink Floyd than I did. And what I would tend to find is if I had the patience, I would love it. But a lot of times it just too long took too long to get from one thing to another. But there's a couple songs I really love. They're pretty much songs everybody else loves. And oh no, no, the, the great songs I think are are profoundly genius in a way that's simultaneously so out there and spacey and ethereal and so goddamn human to like the core of humanity well, i think that there's that's, some that's amazingly deep. incredible actually out of the classic rock people like that pantheon if you're gonna stick me on a desert island and force me to listen to the rolling stones led zeppelin jimmy hendrix throw whoever else you want in there i'll take pink floyd for sure That's you take it. them like over the who even absolutely yeah i can't the who i can't the, i can't get into the who at oh all. you didn't get in the who? okay gotcha right gotcha no see, i see what you're saying so i appreciate pink floyd mm-hmm. i understand the big stadium shows i yeah. think that's fantastic they put a lot into it i just never got it never spoke that. to me that's that. all anybody who toes the line on everything that you're supposed to think about music 100 percent of the time i don't really I agree trust you. you i agree with you on that you know, I, have I, an opinion that's yeah, all i exactly have an opinion i don't like it's funny because I don't like most classic rock acts, and I don't. I find I, you've, you've always been consistent yeah, with that. Zeppelin leaves me very, very, very lukewarm. But uh, yeah, no Pink Floyd's. Pink Floyd's. I could turn you on to a couple tunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Limp Bizkit turned me on to a couple. So. so here's another band that I think I would say had two distinct incarnations before the the one that is the the sound and the image for which they are by and large remembered. Is this one of the incarnations you're going to play me, or is this the one before the two incarnations? I'm saying they had three deals. The third one's the super big one. Okay. And then the second one, rock nerds know. 
And I didn't even know the that first. in the beginning they were even a little different. There's from, three incarnations of this said superstar act. I would say. Okay. Didn't know this band. <laughs> didn't know this band was as old either. <laughs> Psychedelic, Ruby, yeah. baby. Psychedelic. It's going to be either, <laughs> either the Moody Blues or Yes. or These are great guesses. It's in that world, right? It's No, not it. Well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pro, G- pro Genesis. Rock. That is Genesis. Yeah, that was my next guess. Wow, that's very, very good. And who was singing then? It's Peter Gabriel. It's got to be. I, I don't know. They've had so many singers. I thought, but is that Phil too. Collins playing drums? I don't think Phil Collins was in the original lineup. I think gotcha. he joined as drummer and had been there for an album or two or three by the time Peter Gabriel left. Those are that's one of those bands that I've given up on going back to. But Genesis Invisible Touch, the first album I really got into. I love Genesis, that the cheesy eighties version into the nineties of them. I love Phil Collins solo. I really, really like Peter Gabriel and enjoy his. Yeah, seminal yeah, me classic so and god the peter gabriel genesis stuff to me it's is tough utterly unlistenable but to me it's pink floyd that stuff you know what i mean so i i and so that's where you lose me too you lose me just like you're talking about with pink floyd not <laughs> yeah. as much but that early genesis stuff is just it's 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 pretty out there it's pretty you know it's you pretty know terrible you know what's uh it was that what you just played me called genesis were they called that yes. then? They were. I think that that is maybe the title track of their first album. They are Genesis, and that song is called oh, In Gen- the Beginning. There you go. A lot going on there. A lot of layers there. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you, yeah. you know what would be interesting to do? The bands that replaced their singers and then had careers. I know. Uh, that's on my list. <laughs> no, but that's a great one. And, yeah, Gen- and Genesis is, is gigantic. Yeah. Right there. You know what I am, am just as interested in doing is bands who tried replacing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I want to do the Gary Sharon. Oh, got to do Gary Sharon. I want to do the, the John Karabi. Do you know Mitch Malloy was apparently, know. this guy Mitch Malloy, mm-hmm. who was like kind of a hair metal Definitely had his roots in there. I've written a couple songs. Uh, you know, had a couple record deals. Had, had a couple of hits, but just you know, very uh, on the surface had some hits. He apparently was in Van Halen for about a month, right before uh, Gary Sharon. And remember when Van Halen got back together and uh, they came out at the MTV Awards and yeah. and you know uh, Eddie had his overalls on and David Lee came out with that like that smile. Remember? And he was, it was like really crazy. Well, apparently Mitch Malloy was in. Van Halen. There's a whole thing where he's singing on and all that. He's like, "Great, I'm in Van Halen." And then he was watching MTV that night, and they all came out and reunited again. He goes, "Well, I guess I'm not in Van Halen anymore." And he's got the receipts. He's got so- he's got songs he did with them and stuff. So wow. Mitch Malloy is actually could be thrown in that. And now he's a singer for Great White, the other Great White, not Jack Russell. Not Jack Russell. There's, there's, there's two Great no, Whites. He, yeah, not Jack Russell's Great, great White proper. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, well, it's always interesting. What is the proper one? Once the <laughs> Once the singer goes off elsewhere. Uh, Pink Floyd, David Gilmour, and Sid Barrett overlap by about six months. Oh, they do? Yes. Okay, so they were all together one time. Right, but I'm guessing by the time... I think they, they tolerated a lot of idiosyncrasies from Sid Barrett for a long time. They so might I'm not have ever been in the same room together. If he was together. there for the last six yeah. months, I don't think that they actively he collaborated on that. might have physically been there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, He was yeah, well yeah. on his way by then. So here's another... Classic act. Everybody knows that this act had a, an earlier incarnation. I had no idea that they were the ones who were responsible for writing this classic song, though, and I believe they I believe they are. 
Obviously, Santana had a hit with this. Yep. But are you going to say this is Journey? No. No, they would have been a good one, though. They would have been a really good one for this, but no, they're not on my list. This isn't... It's not Santana. They wrote this song. A guy named Peter Green wrote this song, and I think that he was one of the founding members... Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) He's the only guy whose name is not in... Fortuitously. (laughs) That would have been awkward if it had been... Fleetwood Green Mac? Oh, so, yeah, Green Mac would have had some splaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> so Fleetwood Mac wrote Black Magic Woman? It seems to me that this is a... I'm looking at... But is Santana playing... No, they're, they're Peter Green's playing guitar there. Peter Green was a great blues player. Right, 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 right. Because Fleetwood and Mac are the rhythm section, which is always so strange that so a band is named for the rhythm section. So Peter Green is credited on... Oh, we're looking at the vinyl 45 single here, credited as the sole songwriter of Black, Black Magic Woman. This was released 1968 on CBS Records. Well, no wonder he never complained so much about like not getting... I mean, he could live alone off the royalties off that song, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Peter Green started Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> And somewhere in there, I don't know what the falling out was all about, but they had crossed crossed paths in a studio or something with Lindsey Buckingham, and they needed a new guitar player. And they said, "Well, that kid was good." And Lindsey Buckingham says, "Only if you take my partner, bring my partner here, girlfriend." She's got a couple songs. All right, we'll listen to them. I always wonder about that. By the way, the Fleetwood Mac thing was like I think they were three or four records deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, guys, we we need some hits. Uh, And I think the label actually put okay. uh, 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 Christy, Stevie Nicks, Stevie and, Nicks and uh, Lindsey Buckingham, because they were like bu- you know burgeoning songwriters, and they had a record deal of their own, but they were really talented. Some label exec said, "Hey, why don't we take these guys and see if this works?" Okay, from what I understand. So the song that when uh, my real introduction to Fleetwood Mac is like you know knowing them as more than just a couple of singles and really getting the enormity of how great they they are and were was that uh, what was it called i can't believe i can't think of the name it they did a comeback live uh album and video uh gold uh uh was it are you talking about uh, it's like in the 90s about landslide the song landslide no 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 there was a name of the i can't it doesn't it doesn't matter anyway the name of the record yeah that was like their big comeback thing and it's all live and that was they the one new quote-unquote new song they had on that was silver springs yeah yeah. and they had a hit with that that was a song from buckingham nicks there That's where that came from. That's this is the one song that they, they were like, we need something that sounds like classic Fleetwood Mac. And they're like, well, we actually have a song that was from right before. Well, I think they both were like, you know, just just kind of stalling. They both had released a couple records or something. They said, yeah. this might be a good mix, you two to me. And they met and the rest is history. I've always wondered, and I guess you're kind of answering my question about how willingly or unwillingly the rhythm section, did, did their band, was it a coup? Essentially, yeah, right. and they go, "Well, fuck this." People really seem to like this, or or did they welcome with open arms? Because it's a really dramatic shift from what they had been. Well, they doing were a blues to... band, right? You know what I mean? You're, and now you're going to not be a blues band. But I think yeah. when they heard the songs, were like, "Wait, these guys are good." Yeah, you know, Mick Fleetwood doesn't seem like he has the soul of a classic bluesman. I think he could flow where the party is back then. You know, I think that was his soul. Like, he's the nicest guy in the world, by the way. I've is a, he? I have the pleasure of talking to him, meeting him. Such a lovely down to earth. You're like, are you really like you're the dude in Fleetwood Mac? And he's so nice. You're the crazy pirate on yeah, the drums with the cocaine he, faces. But he's so nice and talkative and completely sober now. I bet. Like, no, but practicing. Like, yeah, you he know, better be. <laughs> you know, he's 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 got it handled. So, but how, how about this? How about Fleetwood Mac? That's their another. They changed. The Singers again, 
you know, got a homie from Crowded House and Crowded there. House, and they've also Neil got Tom, Tom Petty's guys playing guitar with and, them. And Mike Campbell's playing guitar, and that's working. Yeah. It's been selling out everywhere. And they, and, and they actually play a couple of Crowded House songs in the Fleetwood Mac set. If you don't have Christine there, you don't have me there. Well, I, I'm with you, but, you know, people are seem to dig it. She's the, she is the underrated part of that. It's a three-headed monster. and You forget how many great songs she wrote by herself and sings by herself. The, the bread and butter of Fleetwood Mac stuff for me, like because it, it, it's not as distinctive, her stuff, so you, you think about the chain and the stuff that's a little bit more obviously Lindsay or the things that because because Stevie has that amazing aura around her yeah, and can take that's right gypsy or she, she's you know, got more or, charisma than or landslide yeah, sure. but just bread and butter pop songs Chris say you I love all, me fucking yeah. just don't write the, stop write that song again and again and then do a solo album and go uh, uh, uh <laughs> no wait no <laughs> Everywhere. That's Fleetwood Mac. But That's she Fleetwood Mac, yeah. she rewrote that one for. Oh God. Did she have a, a Did she have a solo hit? Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, here, wait, she... here, let me just play this real quick, and then I'll I'll get it up. Everybody knows this, right? But you, do you remember the connection between this guy and his later unrelated music success? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. What condition my condition was in? Sky Saxon. I woke up this morning with the sundown. This is uh, the first edition. The first edition? That's the name of the act. I found Featuring. Mind in a brown paper bag, but then you recognize that bearded gentleman on the end there? I tripped on a cloud and fell Tripped on a cloud. Later known Kenny Rogers? as the gambler. Those Kenny Rogers in this one? God! What is wrong with me? He's a good-looking guy, Kay Rogers, man. Yeah. Now, that is a successful reinvention because... Beyond. That's the best. That's the most extreme one. And I think That's he psychedelic had... pop right there. That's Laurel Canyon, yep. 69. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. And apparently he'd already... This is like his third style he was doing by the time he even did this. And then he did country, and then he just became like... I don't even know if you can call it selling out in country because country has a different relationship to success. They celebrate but that, people. Man, that must have been selling out because you know country kind of you know country will welcome people if you if you do the dance and you kiss the rings and you know what you're doing. Yeah, they're not letting everybody in. All the pop guys think they can go to Nashville and make a country record. That worked like that. Uh, but him going from like literally the seed psychedelia to you know mid seventies like gambler. I mm-hmm. mean that is a, that's a gigantic shift. Yeah, I'd love to know how that. Uh... Where's he from? Kenny Rogers, do we know? I mean, was he born I, I in LA? T- I would have told you the South, but maybe he's from like Berkeley or something. Maybe he's from like Newport Beach. Christine McPhee has one solo hit. I huge freaking hit. love this song. Huge, it's a great song. She just, she just knows how to write a hook, man. I got somebody's love. And I think I think Mickey Mickey even played drums on this because you can hear you can hear, hear this hear that you hear that Tom roll. That's him. Yeah. That cat, 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 cat. That's all him. I think it sounds like Stevie's helping out too, a little. And this verse, every one of her songs has this verse. It's all it. I mean, that's like three different Fleetwood Mac songs. She can't write a song that isn't happy and fun. It's not in her. Well, but they're always about say that you love me. If you fuck I got so, somebody. If you, if you fuck somebody else again, then that's this time I'm really leaving. <laughs> I'm really gonna go this. <laughs> it's funny people who have those lyrical tropes. I was I read that's hilarious. Phil Collins' Wikipedia one time years ago, and they were just like, "Yeah, he's a successful guy. You know, had enormous success writing breakup songs." And I'm like, "That's a weirdly specific thing to say." And then you go through. Outside of the odd Susudio. Susudios, yeah. It's against incredible. all odds. Incredible, like. 
80% of it, you know, into deep, throwing it all away. It, the list really goes on and on. Take me home. It's amazing how many breakup songs the guy has written. What's well, amazing how many songs he's written. Oh, it's you know, it's like the Billy Joel character. Like, whether you like Billy Joel or not, whether you like Phil Collins or not, you have to respect their gangster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've just written so many great songs and done it for so long. Yep. You know, when you've written multiple number one songs by yourself, that's an incredible gift. It's beyond like a talent of music. And then when you have so many that people can easily forget ones. Good point. Like, um, I, I'll give you one you probably haven't thought of since it was successful. I really love I Wish It Would Rain Down. I have, haven't Phil thought Collins. about it in a long time. It's incredible. Yep. Totally I mean, different. Uh, Eric Clapton on guitar on it. It's a great song. song. Yeah. And he's so musical and just such a, you know, it's like it's like watching great athletes. You know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, they come around, so you're watching greatness. And whether mm-hmm. you like it or not, you're just, you're watching greatness. Whether you like Tom Brady or not, you're watching greatness. And that's yes. special. Comes along uh, rarely in music and uh, mm-hmm. athletics. But are you watching greatness when you listen to <laughs> to Blackjack? See, I can get down with this. So, who's in this band? Well, 38 special me. Right? Got me My, two drummers for sure. Don't hold on loosely, but hold on medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to be Bob Seger, right? No. Featuring Bruce Kulick, later a member of KISS. Already at this point, I think, co-writing some pop hits, but still with his act Blackjack. It's not bad. Who is it? Blackjack featuring lead vocals from Michael Bolton. Yes. This is good, it's man. Good. Yeah. Not bad at all. I agree. That's so Michael Bolton. How it dare is. I? Once you hear it, you can't People unhear it. People listen to home and go, how did you not get that? No, no, no. Because until you know, it's like, well, we're in the Eddie Money yeah, no. lane. We're in the you know, 38 Specialist. It's good. It's kind of going back to what you were saying. Like that, that sound he's singing right now, it was definitive of the era. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I listed so many people because it just sounds like a lot of guys. It sounds like it, it, it's, yeah, Bob Seger-esque, you know, it's just that that grit. It was just very uh, of the time. This next one is, Good one, uh, dude. is Good ridiculous. One. This doesn't count. This is a, a rehearsal tape from like 1979. You know who this is? It's probably the Go-Go's. You're absolutely right. right? Yep. Belinda Carlisle and the Go-Go's mm-hmm. in her first band. But they were, called, they were called the Go-Go's, Go-Go's then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's totally Go-Go's. When uh, Margot Oliveira was in the band. All right. And um, she and, and They were a punk rock band. Belinda was the drummer in the Germs for a minute? I don't think so. I don't think so. I yeah. don't know. I think mm-hmm. she, I mean, she was obviously very tight with that whole circle. Yeah. Uh, they were part of The Mask, that club out here, the punk rock club, The Mask. The Go-Go's were one of the first bands to play it. They were a punk rock band. They all mm-hmm. lived in the Canterbury Apartments, which was this a pu- is, pu- punk rock uh, party the, at the Canterbury. The song <laughs> is that what it called? Wow, it's there's two songs on this recording from rehearsal: uh-huh. "Living at the Canterbury" and "Party Pose." No way! Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's incredible. Now, what's incredible is a le- is a leap she made to a, a great artist, and because I know it took a while to find her voice. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's not a classic singer in the sense, as you can tell. But she came just punk rock. She wore garbage bags, and she was you know Belinda. Yeah. She was straight up punk rocker. Right, and then. I've just read her autobiography, which is uh, fantastic, by the way. Oh, keep, you know what's I a great- I keep forgetting aut- to bring you Taylor Danes. 
Please bring me that. I love her. <laughs> also, a great book. Steve Gorman from the Black Crows wrote a book about being in the Black Crows. Oh. Fascinating. He's a very good storyteller. Wait, what is he? Because there's Johnny Colt. There's the Robinson He's Steve brothers. Gorman. He's the drummer. Remember okay. the guy that shaved his head when everybody else had long hair? No. In the Remini video, he shaved his head. I, I do I not recall that. Okay. But yeah, but he, he he went through the whole thing. He played until 2010 and then said, oh, I guess they're never getting back together. And like, I think the brothers just <laughs> announced they're getting back together. And the dude just came out with a book like two weeks ago. So <laughs> you might not be getting back together, but the Black Crows are getting back. Anyway, that's, that's a great book. But, but I digress. Anyway, so I, I read uh, Belinda's book and like she was right there in the front lines of that L.A. punk rock you know she uh, the oh, yeah. Can- canterbury was the uh, was the ground zero for anything la punk related as usual we're not going to get to many of the things that i was looking forward to playing for you yeah that's killer yeah these guys kick ass uk nope New York. Oh, wow. They just spelled out their name. Oh, they did? B-E-A-S-T-I-E. B-E-A-S-T-I-E. Oh, it's a beast. I had heard of the Pollywog Stew EP. I'd never checked it out before. Yep. You know what's interesting about that? That's not one of the Beastie Boys singing. That's why I threw him away. No, it's this guy named John something. I can't remember his name. He was the lead singer of that. Okay. Uh, Mike D played drums a little bit, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Ad Rock played guitar. Yeah, and they had Kate Schellenbach on bass, who eventually ended up in Luscious Jackson. Right, and that's why up. they were on. And I'm sure because she's very talented, and Luscious Jackson, Luscious Jackson are an amazing band. I'm sure, but uh, why they ended up on on Grand Royale? That's right, which because is the Beastie's label. I, if you read the the Beastie Boys book, another incredible book. If you mm-hmm. haven't read that, it's insane. But I'm, I'm boring people with my, uh, my my. All I do is read books all day. Apparently, they felt so guilty about not taking Kate along with them when they became the Beastie Boys because it was all like you know, yeah. Rick Rubin said, you know, we want just the dudes and we want this macho. You know, they they yeah. felt so guilty about not bringing her along when they got their label. They returned the favor and gotcha. signed her band. Luscious, you know, would have been awkward having her on stage when they were singing girls yeah i know <laughs> and with a gigantic inflatable penis behind yeah. them so yeah, yeah. might have got might get weird yeah there were a couple of barriers to making that work <laughs> yeah, for sure i think this is the last one we're gonna have time to do i'm gonna guess you john are, barry are gonna, john barry one. was the guy's name okay and the piece of boy sorry this is madonna no she already sounded like kate bush so that helps Katy Perry? Nope. Earlier. I know the voice. I see the face. Yep. Help me. Red hair. I don't think uh, by the time... It's not Cindy Lauper. No, no, no. By the time she was a solo artist, I don't think Tori Amos was too fond of people bringing Uh... up her prior act, Why Can't Tori Read? All right, I think we got to go. Again. I think that's like the Garth Brooks, uh, Chris Gaines thing. She bought up all that. Why Tori can't? Why Tori can't read? Why can't Tori read? And it's Y is just a Y, and can't is with a K, so it's misspelled. So eighties. So yeah, they were saying something, man. 
and saying nothing all once. Thanks as always at Mark underscore McGrath, 90s on 9, weekends, Sugar Ray, markmcgrath.com for all your Mark McGrath needs. There you go. Everybody That's check it. out the, the Black Crows book. Yeah, it's a good one. The Beastie Boys book. Beastie Boys I, I recommend book. that one first. Okay. I, don't, I can't recommend the Taylor Dane book. Get it to me. I want to read it. I'll, I'll, I'll She's sweet. She's awesome. Yeah.